VIP? Are you trying to figure out how to create your infection prevention plan? If so, today's episode is for you. I'm Missy Travis, a certified IP and the creator of the IP Mentor Educational Series. Today, we are going to discuss how to create your infection prevention plan, so stay tuned as I teach you practical tips and skills for becoming an expert IP. Are you an infection preventionist who wants to gain practical skills while improving your program? Then I have a message for you. My name is Missy Travis, and I help new IPs go from novice to expert without ever leaving their desk. I've spent the past several years working as a certified infection preventionist, and now I want to help others learn to manage their program by connecting the dots with insight and experience. In short, I want to be your mentor. A mentor provides insider information that you just can't get from a book. If you are serious about starting your role as an infection preventionist, join me here on the IP Mentor Podcast each week where I will provide relevant information that you can implement in your own program. Last week, I started off with a question, and this week, I'm going to start off with an equally important question. Do you have a plan? And I'm talking about your infection prevention plan. So in my last episode, I talked about the risk assessment, which leads into creating your infection prevention plan. They are actually related. Um, The plan comes from the risk assessment. So I'm going to discuss several steps today for creating your infection prevention plan. And the first step is use your risk assessment to plan. Because if you heard my podcast last week, I went through why the risk assessment is so important. And one of the main reasons was it's a quantitative tool, meaning you've used actual numbers to come up with the risk. So there's very little... Um, anecdotal information that you're using to come up with that. So it's really important um, to use things that are based on data. It just increases your credibility and makes people much more willing to get on board with your plans. Uh, Next is it creates a structure. When you use your risk assessment, that gives you the structure for how to prioritize your plan because essentially when you start prioritizing in your risk assessment, that's going to drive what's eventually going to go into your plan. So your plan is supposed to be based on your highest risks in your facility and the highest risks were identified in the risk assessment. And so you can see how once you do your risk assessment, then you can take the items that scored the highest and turn those into the things you're going to focus on in your plan. Because typically in your plan, you are going to have your goals for the year and the things that you want to accomplish through your infection prevention program. 
The other important thing to know when you start doing your planning is your regulations. So typically there are state regulations. Each state may have a different set of regulations for infection prevention. There are federal regulations. So this would include OSHA, CMS, um, all of those things that apply at the federal level. And then some facilities may have certifications that have infection prevention requirements, and this would include um, entities such as the Joint Commission. That's a certification. They have um, a chapter within their uh, book of requirements for infection prevention. So you're going to want to know what that chapter says. And then if you're part of a corporation, your corporation may have specific requirements for infection prevention. So really you want to know what all is required for your program on the front end because many times those are going to be pushed up as priorities along with the things on your risk assessment, especially if it is a state law. Because sometimes in your risk assessment, let's just take um, CAUTI, for instance, catheter-associated UTIs. Maybe you are not having very many CAUTIs in your facility, so your risk didn't rate very high. But you know it's a requirement that you do surveillance on CAUTIs and that you have a rate that is lower than whatever or an SIR that is lower than so you want to make sure that you take that into consideration because if it's a requirement or a regulation, typically you are going to have some measures in place that are part of your plan to address that because it's required for your program as part of a regulation um, and not necessarily coming from your risk assessment. You want to be sure and get input from others. I talked a lot about this in the risk assessment episode, um, and this is also important in your planning episode. And one of the main reasons you want to get input from others is because some of the goals that you set for the infection prevention program are not goals that you as the IP are going to complete yourself. Someone else is going to have to complete that goal for you. For instance, if we go back to the CAUTI example, if one of your goals is to reduce CAUTIs or have a rate of whatever or the SIR um, to be at a certain number or um, you are going to want to make sure that you have some process measures in place to get you to that number. And so many times you as the IP, you're not going to be the one carrying out those process measures, right? You're not the one who's actually putting in the Foley catheters or managing the Foley catheters. That's going to be the direct patient caregiver. So you want to touch base with whoever's over that group prior to putting that into your plan to make sure that whatever you're proposing or whatever goal you are setting is actually reasonable for them because they are going to be the ones who are carrying out those um, process measures or those interventions to prevent that infection. You want to be reasonable whenever you start setting goals in your plan. Now, I'm not saying don't be aggressive because we want to be aggressive. We want to get, we want to reduce infections and we want to implement measures that are going to reduce infections. But you have to be reasonable based on where you are right now. 
So typically how this process goes is you do your annual evaluation. So you collect all of your data, then you do your risk assessment, and then you do your plan. And so when you're looking back at your annual evaluation, if you see that right now you have, um, let's say, 20 cases of C. diff, um, and you're wanting to make your goal zero, well, I don't know if that's going to be reasonable. Now, I applaud you for wanting to get to zero. That's what we all want to do. But whenever you're setting goals, you have to be reasonable and think about what can you actually do? What is actually a reasonable expectation or else you're never going to meet your goals. And then that's going to create other problems where you're not able to see any success from your program. Even though you're doing all the things you can, it's because you didn't set realistic goals. And so make sure when you're setting goals to make them realistic. And that's the other reason why it's important to have input from others because sometimes as the IP, we are so passionate about preventing infections and we want to get to zero. But we need other people sometimes to tell us, hey, that's not reasonable. We're not going to be able to do that. And sometimes we need to hear that. So it is important to get the input from others, make sure what you are proposing is reasonable and in line with what can actually be accomplished that year. And then you want to tie in your goals and your plan in with the organization-wide plans. So typically your organization is going to have an overarching plan or overarching goals for the entire facility. So these are very high view goals for the whole facility. You, as the infection prevention program, you're going to make your goals much more granular and related specifically to infection prevention, but you want them to be in line with those overarching goals. So it's important that you look to see what are those high level organizational plans and how does the infection prevention program fit into those plans? And I'll give you um, a little tip here too. If you really want to impress your boss or impress the people at the higher level at your organization, when you are presenting your plan, be sure to talk about how this ties in to that organizational plan and you will impress them because that is, that's what everyone wants to see at the high level. They want to see how each of the individual groups are tying back in to the bigger goals for the whole facility, for the whole organization. And so be sure whenever you are making your plan that you are remembering what is the overarching goal for our facility. And it may be something as simple as you know, increasing patient safety. Infection prevention is a part of patient safety. One of I've worked in organizations before where one of our goals was to increase hand hygiene compliance. That was an organizational goal. Well, that one's very easy to tie into your program. And if you have that specific of a goal at the organization level, then that's really going to help drive your program. Now, that's not always the case. Many times they're more general like the example I gave for patient safety, 
Um, but still, there's going to be a place for you to tie in infection prevention. It may be patient safety. It may be quality. There may be one specific to infection prevention, but I guarantee there's going to be some overarching goals that you can tie in your infection prevention plan and your infection prevention goals for the new year. So take these strategies that we've discussed today and use them as you are forming your infection prevention plan and you will have a stronger plan and you will be closer to being the expert infection preventionist for your facility. So if you've enjoyed this episode, take a moment and subscribe to my podcast so you don't miss any future episodes. And remember, I'm here to help you become an IP expert by teaching you practical skills that you can't learn from a book. And if you're wanting to connect with me and learn more about other resources and other ways that I can help you become an expert, look in the show notes and you will see I've attached the link to my website and ways to um, get other resources that I've prepared for new infection preventionists. And I will see you back here next week on the IP Mentor Podcast. I hope you enjoyed this episode of the IP Mentor Podcast. I have another question for you. Are you looking for more information on how to develop your infection prevention program? And do you want to gain knowledge fast, but it never seems that you have enough time? If so, I have a special message for you today. I help IPs just like you go from a blank canvas to an organized framework. And I help you gain the knowledge you need to answer difficult questions. And the best part is it's all while you're sitting at your desk. No experience is required. So if you're seeking to find success with your own IP program, pay very close attention. Many infection preventionists suffer from the idea that creating an infection prevention program is really hard and time consuming. But I'm here to tell you that nothing could be further from the truth. You just need the right resources and the right skills and you need a mentor to show you how to do it. So if you're an IP who really wants to gain the knowledge to be an expert, then I'm going to tell you exactly what you're looking for. And it's the IP Mentor Infection Prevention Program Series. This series is going to help you gain the knowledge and skills so that you can be the expert in your facility. This program makes it so simple for you to create a customized infection prevention program, gain the knowledge you need to become an expert, learn where to find resources in little time, and get the answers to those difficult questions. It will also help you build up your reputation as the expert. And what makes this even better, you don't have to worry about figuring out which resources to use and how to apply them because I am going to cover all of that during the program. And this also means you're not stuck feeling like you don't know the best practices for your facility. So again, if you're an IP who really wants to gain the knowledge to be an expert, understand this, you can't get this level of insider information and knowledge from a book. 
and staff and patients need this level of expertise in your facility. And as you know, the rules of healthcare are changing and you want to be ahead of the curve. And this program holds the key to your success with your own infection prevention program. So if you're interested in learning more about this program, go to mentor.ipncconsulting.com and you can claim a free getting started guide and then you will get access to the IP Mentor program.